So how's everyone doing this morning? Good. I'm excited to be speaking. I'm usually just doing the worship portion. So speaking, I've only ever done it when my dad has been like really sick one morning and he's like, can you speak? And I'm like, okay. So this is the first time I've actually been able to prepare what I've wanted to talk about. And before I get started, I just wanted to let you know that I've had an idea of what I've wanted to speak on for about three months now. So if there's anything that really resonates with you this morning, just know that the Lord has specifically placed that on my heart to share with you, to just show you how much he loves you. Now I want you to raise your hand if you can remember what you ate for breakfast this morning. Okay, now keep your hand raised, keep your hand raised. Okay, put your hand down if you remember what you ate for breakfast three days ago. Okay, now... (laughs) Okay, so pretty much everyone's hands are down. I was going to say remember a week ago, but clearly no one does. Um, but <laughs> that got to me thinking, you know, I'm a very forgetful person. Many of you know this, you know. Schoolwork doesn't come easy because you tell me something and goes over my head. I get that from my dad. And I was researching, and I was like, why is it that we forget things so easily? Well, I came across this picture that I found on Google. And if you want to just put that up, Austin. So this is a picture I found. And this is what your brain looks like right after you learn something. And you remember 100% of the information, Okay, Doing pretty good. Well, you can see in this next picture, this is what your brain looks like an hour after um, you learn the information. You lost about 66% of what was told to you. So therefore, that means that in about an hour, none of this you guys will remember. So um, (laughs) that actually brings me back to a time that I forgot something. And many of you actually know about this time in my life. Some of you were even there. And I recently came across some old home videos. So I got to watch it for myself. And I just wanted to share about this because this is a a very um, big moment in my life because I was a seven-year-old little girl, Okay. And I decided to enter a talent contest because my older sister, she was super cool, you know. So And she was doing it, so I wanted to. So I bought a little pink fedora hat and my pink tie, and I practiced with my dad. And, well, you can see what happens. We're going to show the video, and, yeah, you'll see what happens when I sing. the words if you couldn't tell. I'm start over. <laughs> okay, so you can see in that video that I went up there super confident and I started to sing and then I forgot the words. And then you can see that I said I was going to start over. Okay, this is the part that I never realized happened. And it should have made this moment so much more embarrassing, but really now that it this was like 13 years ago, I don't care anymore, but I'm over it. Um so after I began to sing again, I actually forgot the words for a second time. Okay, there's no recovering from that. But I did continue to sing after I had looked at my mom and she was doing the actions and I was like, oh yeah, I remember. So basically what we have here is a little girl, she went up to sing, she stumbled along the way and then she, you know, started again, was going good and then she stumbled yet again, but she did finish strong. But even though she finished strong, she was so disappointed in herself. She felt so much shame. You know, as soon as she left the stage, she just 
she wept. She literally wept in her mom's arms. And I'd never realized that even though looking back at that video, it's like, oh, that was so cute and that was so funny. You would never think that this moment in a little girl's life would change the next 10 years of her life. Because you see, what I did was from that moment, I began to walk in shame. I began to walk in disappointment in myself. And I just felt like I wasn't good enough from that moment. I remember there were even times in school where I would ask the teacher, hey, can I not do this presentation in front of the whole class because I'm really scared. Like I literally had the worst anxiety of public speaking and not only just public speaking, but also singing because I felt so disappointed. I had so much shame that was just taking a hold of me. And you see that shame led me away from what the Lord wanted me to do because if I continue to walk in that shame, I would not be up here and I would not be singing. I would not be fulfilling my ministry. And oftentimes, shame will take a hold of your heart and your relationship with God. And it will tell you, you're not good enough. It will tell you that it's not worth it, that God is disappointed in you, and that God does not want you. But when we read the scriptures, we read the truth, that God is not disappointed in you, that he is jealous for you. He is jealous to have a relationship with you. That means when you are spending time with other things that aren't him, he's jealous of that place because he wants to be with you. When we read Exodus 34, 14, it says, You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. You see, the only purpose for Satan is to destroy you from the inside out. What he does is he takes your heart and he tries to just beat it down until you are just numb to what the Lord wants for you in your life. He takes things and he disguises them as the truth. He alternates things so slightly that you don't even realize they're being alternated until you're so far gone that you don't know how to get back from it. Well, I just wanted to touch a little bit on shame this morning. For any of you who are feeling shame from maybe just your relationship with God or just for anything, maybe you just feel like you're not good enough or you feel like you're not worthy or you're not lovable because the enemy has been telling you that. Let me tell you that that is not truth and that is not from God. The thing is that no one is ever aware that shame is creeping in, you know? You're never just, like, walking, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling shame. You know, like, you're not, you're not realizing when you feel shame. And I've realized that shame is so powerful that you feel ashamed when you have shame. So if you do feel shamed, you're not going to tell anyone, and it's just going to keep beating you down more and more and more, and you're just going to keep running from the truth. Now, I want to ask you guys something. When you think of God... What do you think to describe him? Anyone? Shout it out. Majestic. Okay. What about like loving, faithful? That's something I hear all the time. I hear that God is a loving God. But I actually didn't realize that there's one word more than any other word in the Bible used to describe God. And it's actually the word almighty. Almighty is used to describe God about like 58 times in the Bible. And so now that we know that God is almighty, that means that God is all-powerful. And if God is all-powerful, then God has power over all. So even though you may feel shame, and you may feel like that shame is powerful, know that God has already vetoed it. He has the final say. He has power over that shame. Something that I would hear a lot growing up, just 
being a Christian pretty much my whole life, I would hear that you need to rebuke Satan. And honestly, I was like, what? <laughs> like, rebuke Satan? Like, what is that? I was really scared. And I honestly just kind of felt weird, like, being like, Satan, leave me alone. But I've actually been testing this theory um, for the past few months in my life because I recently, one of my friends found out that there was an entity attacking me. And what that means is Satan was literally, like, trying really hard to bring me down. And so I felt kind of stupid, but I was just in my room and I literally was like, Satan, you have no power and you can leave me alone. And let me tell you, I began to see so many miracles in my life when I began to speak out truth and tell Satan he has no power. Because even though it feels like he does, he literally has none. We see that Jesus has already died for us and he has already had the final say. So I just want to encourage you guys this morning as we continue to talk about this later. If you ever feel like there's a moment in your life where you feel this shame, just tell Satan to stop. Like that's literally all you have to do. And I promise you, you will see so many miracles happen. There are so many points in the Bible that God talks about how clearly he loves us and how much he wants to be with us. And in Genesis, it talks about how the Lord created the heavens and the earth, and then he created, you know, human. He created all of us. And then after the sixth day, he took the seventh day to rest. Now, you see, he didn't rest because he was tired. Like, (laughs) he's God, okay? Like, (laughs) he doesn't get tired. The thing is, he rested solely to be with us. He rested to show us that we can spend time with God just resting in his presence. And what that means is that we don't even have to always be striving to be a good person for him to want to be with us. We literally just have to give him our time and say, Lord, okay, in this moment, I want to be with you, and I'm going to sit in the simplicity of that. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, it says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. I think that can be really hard to comprehend that the Lord literally gave up his son for us. But let me tell you guys, that's how much the Lord loves you. And he did not create you to destroy you. He did not create you to bring you shame and tell you you're not good enough. He created you so that if you do feel that shame, when you do feel that shame from the enemy, the Lord comes down and he says, it's okay, I still love you. You are still my child. I still chose you and you are still worthy. Come to me and I will rescue you. That is what the Lord sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for. By grace, you have been saved. Because of his grace, you have been saved. Now, that's something that I often glance over. I don't really think too much of, by grace, you've been saved. You know, I hear it all the time. It's a pretty popular verse or quote. But in the dictionary, I actually found the definition of grace. And what it says is that grace is a favor. But then I looked at the Bible definition of grace, and it says that the help given to one by God because God desires one to have it, not necessarily because of anything one has done to earn it. 
So therefore, because God decided to give you a favor because he loves you so much, you have been saved. And we need to understand how much the Lord wants us to be saved. How much the Lord wants to have a relationship with you. Not just a once a week on Sunday relationship. Not just, oh, I believe in God relationship. A relationship with him so that he can save you from the lies of the enemy. When he speaks that in your mind and when he tries to distract you in a different way. And it's really hard to rebuke those lies over your life if the shame has already crept in and you don't even realize that they're there. And this is why spending genuine time with the Lord every day is so important. It's easy to take advantage of grace. It's easy to say, you know, well, the Lord loves me no matter what I do, so I'm just going to do what I want. It's easy to say that. It's easy to take advantage of God's love. And I think one of the lies that the enemy tries to get in our head a lot is, oh, well, if you don't do these good things, then God's not going to love you. Like, I know that we've probably all felt that at some point in our life, and it's a lie I hear all the time. But the thing is, we're not living a life for God, fulfilling what he's asked us to do so that he'll love us, you know? He already chose us. He already loves us. We do it to say thank you to Jesus. I want to live my life as an act of saying thank you, God, because you gave me a favor that I could never ever return you. So I want to do the one thing you told me to do, and that was to just spend time with you and obey you. And if you're in a state of, oh, well, I, I need to figure all these things out before I can spend time with God. Like, I need, I need to get everything figured out before I come to him. That's the exact opposite of what God tells us to do. He tells us to go to him in whatever emotional state you're in. That means that if you are you feel so much shame, you feel like you're not good enough, tell that to the Lord. And I promise you that you will just see so many miracles shift. If you're tired, at the end of the day, give him five extra minutes. Just push to do whatever you can to give him your heart because that's all he asks for. He knows that you can't sacrifice every single time of your day. He knows that you're going to give into the world sometimes. But all he's asking is for you to try your best and to just go to him. Recently, I've just been praying to the Lord, and over the past few years, I would say I've started to really just ask the Lord, like, God, what do you want from me? You know, like, God, what is it that I can do to fulfill this calling that you've placed on my life? And so there have been other times the Lord has told me things, you know, like, give up social media, or maybe don't hang out with these certain people, don't do this. But recently, And this has been going on since, honestly, probably, like, December. So it's been a long time, okay? Every time I've come to the Lord, I ask him, I'm like, Jesus, what do you want want from me today? And you know what I've been hearing every time? He says, I want you to spend time with me. That's literally all he said. So can you imagine me? I'm, like, in my room on my knees, right, okay? So I'm just like, God, like, what do you want from me? Waiting, silence. And he's like, just hang out with me. And I'm like, what? Like, hang out with you? What does that mean? And I'm just sitting here, and I'm like, okay, what do you want from me? What do you want me to give you? Like, you want me to give you this? Like, I'll give you this. And God's like, no, just hang out with me. And honestly, that has been the hardest thing he's ever asked me to do because it's so hard to just sit with God and not feel like you need to give him anything. You know what I mean? So 
I just want to tell you, like, that's a testimony of how much the Lord loves me and how much the Lord loves you because all I was willing to do, well, actually, I was willing to do anything, but all God asked me to do was to just spend time with him. When we give God our time, it's his way of saving us. And what I mean is he saves us from shame. He saves us from lies because he's able to pour truth into our minds every single day. And that's why we are encouraged to spend time with him every day. I want to read Romans 8.39. And it says that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's it. That's all the truth that we need to hear, that God has the final say. God is almighty. He is almighty and he is all-powerful, and he will not separate from us. You think of sometimes when the Lord feels distant, it's like, okay, well, God isn't coming to me. Like, there are no miracles. Like, God doesn't love me. But then I was starting to think about it, and I was like, okay, imagine you're in a room, and there's a bunch of people, maybe at like some sort of event, okay? And you see someone that you've heard of before. You know them. They're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of this person. Like, they're really cool. Or maybe you don't like them. Whatever view you have of them, like, that's all you have of them, right? Maybe it's like, oh, they have the coolest shoes or something. But not until <laughs> you walk over to them and you begin to have a conversation with them, will you begin to know who they are? And if I'm just standing here and someone's over there and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're cool, like, that's the only, that's the only idea I'm going to have of that person. But if I'm literally walking over here and I'm like, hey, what's your name? Like, I'm Anna. Tell me about yourself. Tell me who you are. Tell me what you like to do. You're going to begin to have a real relationship with that person. And it's the exact same way with God. It's not that God doesn't want to know you. It's that God is eager to know you, but he's waiting on your heart to go and talk to him, to spend genuine time with him. I I just want to talk about the story of the prodigal son for a second. I don't know if you guys have heard it. But to put it into greater words, um, I'm going to kind of change the story into, like, today's reference. You know what I mean? Okay, so this is for those of you who are really feeling like God doesn't want you. Okay, so imagine parents and imagine a little child, okay? Just envision it, envision it in your head. Okay, now imagine one day... Um, the little kid wants to run away because they feel like they've done something wrong. So the little kid's like running away, okay? So the little kid's running away, and they're like, oh, my parents are going to kill me. You're like, you know, like they're, they're going to be so mad when they find out. So they keep running, and they keep running away. And so to this kid's perspective, he's all like, oh, my parents don't love me. My parents don't want me. They're disappointed. But do you think that the parents would be like, oh, I'm just waiting for my kid to come home. Like, I'm not worried at all about them. I don't love them anymore. No, like, the, the parents wouldn't be like that. The parents would be looking for their child. The parents would be seeking for their child. They don't care if they come back and maybe they've done something wrong. They're not going to care at that moment because all they want is their child to come home. All they want is to be able to speak truth into this child so that the child is not hurting anymore. But because the kid feels so much shame, 
They begin to walk the other way and they begin to push Jesus, or sorry, the parents, the other way. <laughs> they begin to push the parents the other way and they don't come back. But the thing is, in talking about the story of the prodigal son was Jesus the king, when he, when he was waiting for his son, when his son began to come to his senses and come back home, the Lord wasn't just standing there like, oh, like, you're finally here, you're in so much trouble. No, Jesus was running as a king. He was running to his child because he was so happy that his child was wanting to come home. So I just wanted to kind of end on that story this morning. And Dad, if you want to come up and play. I just wanted to talk about that because I know how easy it is to feel like the Lord doesn't want you. And shame is something that's hardly ever talked about because people are ashamed to admit it, to be honest. And I just want to let you guys know that no matter what you're feeling, the Lord wants you. And so I really just wanted to do a bit of an altar call um, while ending this morning. And so what that means, if you've never heard of it, is if it's really just, you can either come up to the front or stay in your seat or lay on your knees, whatever you want to do. And it's really just coming to the Lord and saying, God, like, just take a hold of my heart. It's telling him anything you want, and it's, it's almost like a renewal of your faith, a renewal of salvation in a sense. And so I really just wanted to invite you guys to talk to Jesus. Simply just give him your time. Simply just tell him what's on your heart. Because no matter what you could say, it's not going to separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. And the Lord is just waiting. He's waiting on you to come to him, to receive him so that he can speak truth over your life. And even if you need to rebuke Satan in this moment too, I just pray for that as well, that Satan would just flee and he would just leave this room because he has no power here. So I'm just going to pray quick and then after I pray, I just invite you guys to just stand with me or whatever you want to do. And I'm going to sing a, a song that I felt like would be really fitting for this morning. So, Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for the love that you have given us. We thank you for the favor that you have given us, God. We thank you that we no longer have to be in pain and we no longer have to live in shame or listen to lies, Jesus, because we know your truth, Lord. And I just pray that even if we forget the truth, God, because we know how forgetful things can be, Jesus, I just pray you remind us, no matter where we are, Jesus, I just pray that we begin to make our car an altar. I, begin, I pray that we begin to make our room a church, Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much, Lord. Amen. Mm.